it up to Jesus. Amazing, amazing time to be alive. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. Somebody's super excited about it over here. Um, super excited. It's Easter. I'm always like blown away, you know. I, I, man, I, I just pray. I've been in so much prayer the last few weeks about this. And I'm going to tell you a story about the, the sovereignty of God and his word today, which is really uh, mind-blowing. I don't know why. I shouldn't be mind-blown because he always is good, but it's just he's just always showing me road signs that, hey, you're going in the right direction. Uh, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful time. I pray, I pray, I pray that your depth drives down today. That this is more than just a long weekend for you. I'm glad you got Friday off. If you got Friday off and if you got tomorrow off, I'm super pumped that you got that off. But it has to be more than that. It has to be more than just a long weekend. I tell you who was uh, it was a long weekend for, and that was Jesus. That, that was a long weekend. And so, yes, if we're going to say I, I enjoy the day off, but so much more than that, that we walk out of this place transformed. And you might say, I've already been transformed. Well, be transformed again. And uh, be renewed again. And be restored again. And be strengthened again. And, and maybe, maybe you've been just journeying, and it just hasn't been quite the season for you or the decade or the last score of years. I don't know. No, but he's alive and, and you're alive because you're in this room and if you put your fingers on your neck <coughs> excuse me choking already let me get pastor victor to grab me a water that'd be great <coughs> seldom do that but have to do it today um, what you know is that you're still alive you're alive and that's good news so he's got a plan for you thank you sir got it already thank you already got one thank you one excuse me while i take a drink but it's exciting and we get here and I, I was challenged with this over this season about thinking, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to share the Easter message? And we've all been through 100 Easter messages. If you've been in church at all in your life, then you've been through them. And everybody's got a different way to break it down. And we know that Jesus died, right, a horrific death, that he was buried and that he rose again. And that's one reason why we're here today. And by the way, we're here every week, 9, 10, 30, and noon. You can show up every Sunday and hang out with us. It's great every Sunday. But it's, it's, it's hard to believe, like, all of that happened, right, and, and we're still here. Like, if, if it was anything else, it would just be, like, a, a moment in history book. Nobody has got a Julius Caesar day. Nobody is gathering together and saying, well, you know, uh, all these rulers, Napoleon, and nobody's, nobody's celebrating them, right? Nobody is doing that nobody, because it didn't matter, but the life of Jesus mattered, and his death mattered, and his resurrection certainly matters. And so what happens with this is we are excited because we have access to abundant life. You think, well, like, man, I'm not, I don't know if I have abundant life or not. Well, you have access to it. Jesus said it. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that there was a thief, and he was coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And it's not going to be through stuff. It's just not. Stuff is great. I like stuff as well, but stuff goes away. And so some of you might be living a happy life. I like to be happy, but happiness is fleeting. You know what I mean? In just a few minutes, you're going to leave here, and it's going to be very crowded, and your happiness will be gone just like that. Right? Happiness will run away from you quickly. The joy of the Lord will always be with you, and nobody can steal it, and that's incredible. But if we're not careful, we will take for granted or even forget the impact that Jesus had and is having and will have in the world. He did not come to live, die, and raise again just for himself. He did it for you. 
He did it for you. He, he, he left a very comfortable heaven to come down here and do this. And so that becomes our access to life and freedom. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus must be preached. So if you're here today and you're a guest with us, welcome. I just want to let you know I'll spare you the figuring out process of this church. Right? It's like, what's this church all about? We're about Jesus. We're just a bunch of regular people. We really love Jesus a whole lot. We're always going to preach him. We're always going to preach his word. So if you're looking for something else, this is not going to be a self-help message. This is going to be a message that challenges you. Sid Lowe Baxter said this, one of my favorite Easter quotes. He said, fundamentally, our Lord's message was himself. He did not come merely to preach a gospel. He himself is that gospel. He did not come merely to give bread. He said, I am the bread. He did not come merely to shed light. He said, I am the light. He did not come merely to show the door. He said, I am the door. He did not come merely to name a shepherd. He said, I am the shepherd. And he did not come merely to point to the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's it. How incredible that one life could change everything. Don't walk out of this place today not knowing. Not knowing. Don't do that. I, this is a great day to give your lives to Christ. And again, I've prayed that you would be de deepened in this. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn over to the book of Acts. A lot has happened. I'm going to give you a, just a little bit of backstory. God made it. Right? He made it. He made us. He made the world. We broke it. Right? Jesus came to fix it. That's the simple gospel. God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixed it. And um, what happens is that as we receive this, things begin to change. And again, we're just a bunch of regular people who love Jesus. But as we sit there and we look at the story unfold, we see the brokenness of man, the, the, the mess that we made of things, right? Jesus comes. He starts calling people, even from their occupations, out of darkness, into marvelous light. These people start following just regular people. So one man gets 12 followers. 12 followers begin to preach. They, uh, masses of people begin to follow him. The crucifixion happens, which is what we remembered on Good Friday just a couple of days ago. And then the people scattered again. So it's down to just a few again. And then 120 in the upper room after Jesus left. Before he left, he stood and he was going into heaven. Can I get a little help with that? Um, before he went into heaven, he said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, right, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So he's saying to just regular people, things are going to change. I'm going to use you. I'm going to heaven. You are going to do the work that is supposed to happen. And the enemy's going to try to stop it, but he absolutely can't stop it. Now, they begin to minister and share in such a special way, challenged, empowered, and we, we find a guy named Paul. In Acts chapter 17, Paul has been on mission. He was on a mission trying to take out the church, and then God met him on the road to Damascus and blinded his eyes but captured his heart. That's what needs to happen to us today. And in Acts 17, they had been on a journey. They were ministering. The church at Philippi was born. An incredible, incredible opportunity there to see the church born. And it brings us to 17. Now, before I dive in here today, I want to tell you just a little bit about this because it's, in, it's important that we understand the, the, the regular amount of people and just the regular ones that are sitting in this room today, which is all of us and how things can change. Paul was brilliant. Make no mistake about it. He was multilingual. He was multicultural. He understood a whole lot of things, but something was different about him. He was filled 
with power. And he began to share and move and live and challenge people and travel around, and he would go to this. Now, I want to stop and tell you a cool story about what I told you I was going to do, the sovereignty of God's word. I was sitting back a month or so ago, and I was like, oh, I do, I do not want to come out of Acts. We've been in this series for 27 weeks. 27 weeks we've been in this series, so we could have landed anywhere. There were weeks when we had a guest speaker. There were other weeks when, when I just didn't finish what I wanted. There were other weeks when I sped up. Nobody could plan this, right? God knew all along, so I was contemplating and thinking, like, what's going to happen? And Pastor Victor was like, you know, it's Easter. You know what I mean? You're going to preach the resurrection. I'm like, we always preach the resurrection, but I get it, right? We're going to go to the traditional messages that you can find in the Gospels. And I said, man, I really don't want to do that, but, but Holy Spirit, help me. Is my, am I just being stubborn? I don't want to just be stubborn. I want to be obedient. And, and so we were talking in my office, Pastor Victor and I, and I said, let's just, let's just open up chapter 17. I think we'll land there. In fact, I know we're going to land there. And, and, and let's see what it says. And something beautiful happened. And if you look at 17, verse 1 and 2 and 3, I'll show you what happened. Sovereignty of God and his word. It said, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of Jews. They're on a journey. They're on a mission. They're just doing what God had called them to do. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from scriptures. He often did this. He went. He was brilliant. He would go there. And uh, he explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. Listen, it doesn't get any more Easter than that. So I didn't have to leave Acts. God's message is proclaimed, just like Paul was doing here. I'm telling you today that this happened. So, so Paul and Silas are on their mission. They're journeying around. They go to the synagogues, which is a great place to start. Why? Because there's a base of foundation for people. These people at least believed in God. They didn't believe the Messiah had come yet. That's why he was there to prove to them, to explain to them, to show them the evidence of the work of God, that Jesus had come and changed his life and was wanting to change their lives too. So he ministers to them, and there's an excellent point of contact right there in the synagogues. Now, probably all of us deal with people every single day that believe in a higher power. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I believe in something, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just believe in a higher power. Well, that's a base. Like, I can work with that. In fact, I can work with anything. I'm going to preach the gospel whether you believe in anything or yourself or nothing or whatever. I'm just going to tell you about Jesus. And that's like the kind of attitude that we have to have. With, but, but listen, as he's explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to die. Now, if we look at one of the Gospels in Luke chapter 24, we know it was early. It says on the Sunday morning, the women went out to the tomb and they took the spices they had, they had prepared. And everybody's kind of heavy and waiting and maybe just a little bit like droopy in their attitude going, man, Jesus is dead. I, I, like I don't even know what to do with this because they couldn't understand everything. And then two angels showed up. And in verse 5, it's not on the screen, just listen. It says, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what I told you back in Galilee. He's not here. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? This is an important phrase. Because there's a whole bunch of people in this room who are going week in, week out, and you're looking for life, 
inside of a spiritual cemetery. It's our world. Everything, like, I'm going to go over there, and that's where, oh, and, and, the, and the world is great at getting a pulse to it. You know what I mean? It's the music. It's the lights. It's the, it's the hustle. It's the grind. It's the, you know, it's such a pace. Even in South Florida, it's got just such a pace. People come from all over the world to land here, right, to, to come here to party, thinking that that's going to fill them when it just leaves them empty. Why are you looking for life? In a spiritual cemetery. It's dead. And the the closer you get to Jesus, and and the the more surrendered you get, and the more sanctified, it's an old church word, set apart from this for this. God takes you from this for this. The more you do that, you start losing the grip on the dead things. There's nobody in here if I said, would you hold this, this dead animal? Would you, nobody would do that. You'd be like, you're disgusting, right? But we hold on to the dead things of this world like they have such value. They're dead. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you start going, you can have all this. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. It's happening. You can see the separation. You can see it happening. And I, I've, I've been in prayer, like I already told you, for your depth, but for your spiritual eyes to be opened in this next season, that I can grab a hold of the one that I can, what my wife said a few minutes ago, cling to the old rugged cross, right? That's, I'm going to stand by the cross, and it's by the cross that I stand. And I know society is trying to find life in a dead world, and maybe you've been on that journey as well, but it's not there. Jesus died a horrific death, but he didn't stay dead. The stone rolled away, but one pastor said the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that you could get in. That's the difference, and you start, you start making these little switches in your mind. It's like, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't want, he's not trying to stiff arm you. He's trying to get you to come here. It's us who throw the stiff arm on Jesus. It's like, oh, that's just a little too close, Lord. I like you on Sundays, right? I like you on Easter, right? Not too much. Don't try to get to No, he's saying, come here. I want to wrap you up every single day of the week. I want to love you all week long. I want to walk with you and talk with you. And it's us. They're like, no, 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 not today. Not today. That's not how he wants you to live. He just wants you. He just wants you. Why do we make it so complicated? It's not that hard. And there are, there are some of you in this room right now, you feel so unloved. You, you've looked for love your whole life. But there's one who loves you. He loved you so much that he died for you. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, for I delivered to you the first importance, what I also received. Paul saying, I received this. I want you to receive it. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and the twelve. And that he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Why Why would Jesus leave a very comfortable heaven? You know, com- heaven's comfortable, right? And we all want to get there. There's songs about it. Everybody wants to get to heaven. 
Nobody wants to die, right? Everybody, if I say you want to get to heaven, you all want to get to heaven, right? But you want to die. I know that process. So why would Jesus leave a very comfortable heaven, move into the world, right? Move into our neighborhood, put on flesh, walk with us, talk with us, feel the stink of the world in his nostrils, do it perfectly, says he was tempted in all ways, like us, yet without sin, die a horrific death, look at the same people that cheered him on on Palm Sunday saying, Hosanna, save us, son of David, save us, you're the king, we, we worship you. And a few hours later, they're pulling his beard out, spitting in his face, cussing him, hitting him with rocks, watching him bleed to death and hang on a cross. Why would Jesus do all of this? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. It wasn't by accident. And so everybody in this room who's sitting here today going to say, I wish I had somebody who loved me. And I don't know what you were treated like as a kid or even an adult. I don't know what your marriage is like. I don't know what your friends are like. But let me tell you, I know what Jesus is like. And he loves. And it's the purest love. He said, no greater love than this, than one would lay down his life for his friends. Well, he did that. And Jesus doesn't need you to die for him. He just wants you to live for him and to live with him. And I know that as you look for love, it's challenging in this world. My daughter, she's going to kill me for putting this on here. She's going to watch this later. She's away at university. And she's an 18-year-old girl, and she's a pretty girl. And so guys come knocking. You know how that song goes. They're like, she's like, but she knows me, and she knows what's important to me. And uh, so she says things like, hey, this guy's interested, and he really loves Jesus. <laughs> and I go, of course he does, because he's interested. He's been coming to church with me. Well, of course he has, <laughs> right? Because she knows that I'll catch a plane or drive 18 hours and like I said before, I can, I can rally some of the homies and uh, we can get up there, you know what I mean? <laughs> we can make, well, I'm halfway joking, but I'm halfway serious. Like, I don't know how somebody is going to love her. I can't predict that. I can't make that happen. I have opinions. I have strong opinions about it. I can't do that. And I also can't tell you how Jesus loves you. He just loves you perfectly. I don't get to define it. He loves you more than you know. No, he loves us all equally. We're all his favorites. It's the, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And, and so Jesus comes and he does all this for love. And he didn't say, you need to get cleaned up. You're not cleaned up enough for me to love you. You, you need to take a spiritual shower. Your life's a mess. I can't love you. like He didn't do any of that. It says in Romans in 5, 8, but we, we, he showed his great love for us. And while we were still sinners, he died for us. That was why you were at your worst. Your filthiest, your, your, your worst decisions in life. Jesus said, I saw, just as the same people waving the palm branches, he knew. He saw them, and he knew just in a couple of hours they'd be trying to kill him. And saying, I'm doing it for you. Looking at all the way down eternity, and we like to depict it. And I watched The Passion of the Christ yesterday, and it's a heavy movie. It's a heavy movie, but as I, I thought about that, and as he looked down, as he rode into Jerusalem, he saw all the people. You know whose face he saw there? Mine. He saw mine. 
I don't even look at the people and go, oh, man, it was Caiaphas, the high priest. He was such a bad guy. I'm like, man, I needed Jesus. I can't put it all on Caiaphas. It's me. And, and I, I, he saw me, and guess what? And he saw you, and guess what? He still sees you. And he sees you as somebody worth dying for. And he sees you as somebody worth raising again for. And he sees you as somebody who, who says, I'm not going to leave you behind. Now, you, you get to decide if you're going to leave yourself behind. But Jesus is not doing that. Paul began to persuade some of them in Acts 17. And verse 4 says, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many of the great devout Greeks, and not a few of them leading Women, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some of the wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Why were these guys jealous? They were jealous because it had always been about them. I mentioned this a few weeks ago in a message. We were talking about jealousy and the spirit of jealousy. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't get jealous. I, this is a good test for that. If one of your friends does well, if they make a post on social media and you see something, nobody's looking around. How do you feel inside? Are you happy for them? Or you're like, man, I deserve that. If you say, I deserve that, that's a jealous spirit, and it's not right. We should cheer our friends on, certainly when they're doing the things of the Lord. These guys were filled with jealousy because their eyes were on themselves instead of Jesus. Don't get caught up in that. If you want to get caught up in anything, get caught up in the love of Jesus that we were talking about. Get caught up in a path of discipleship. Get caught up focused on the word of God and his love. Now, these guys are after Paul and Silas. Look at verse 6. It's one of my favorite things to say around here. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. It's one of my favorite phrases in all of the Bible. That was the complaint against Paul and Silas. That's a pretty good complaint. These guys come to cities and the whole city flips upside down because of them and their love for Jesus. What? I don't know if you know this or not, but Homestead needs Jesus, right? Anybody understand that? So now we look at this and we start saying, okay, like, what, what, what does this mean? Well, it means Paul and Silas are dead. They're not coming back. So the mandate is on us, Acts 1-8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Or Homestead, South Miami, Miami, Florida, the United States, the rest of the world. That's your concentric circles. That's, that's the ministry that God has called us to they're not coming back to minister again it's you so if you understand that I've been praying for you the depth of the love of God in your life that you'll walk out of here transformed by the love of God again I've been transformed I'm being transformed right now God is transforming ing present continuously I'm getting a little bit better I'm not the same as I was yesterday thank God and I'm going to be a little bit better tomorrow but now he's got me on mission you get the story. The story is God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixed it. Right? God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixed it. So what do I do with that? Well, I take it all over Homestead. And I take it all over Florida. And I take it all over wherever I'm at. And, and I pray to God. I pray to God 
that one of the chief complaints about our church here at LifePoint is that like, I don't know what's up with LifePoint, but they've turned the city upside down with Jesus. Man, I hope, I hope they, is that, is that all you got, church? Is that all the excitement you have? If you walk into your workplace, and I, uh, we have a policy, you don't talk about Jesus around here. So what are you talking about? People say his name all the time. They're saying it wrong, right? <laughs> I'm just going to say it right. <laughs> I'm just going to exalt him in this place. While they try to tear him down, I'm going to lift him up, right? I'm going to lift him up. I mean, people like Islamic people were in there praying. Uh, the people in the Santeria are in there praying. We got people over there with the voodoo praying. Why don't we get some Christians in the workplace who start believing that things can be different in a place? Start turning the world upside down with the love of Jesus. It's, it's challenging because we start talking about, oh, you know, I could get in trouble. <laughs> You're already in trouble. You don't even know it yet. That's all. <laughs> you just don't know it yet. Would you stand with me real quick? I'm not done, so hang on tight. It says in verse 8, the people of the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And they had taken the money as a security from Jason and the rest, and they let them go. They basically took a bond from Jason and said, well, we can't find Paul and Silas. We're mad at them. So if they come back here, we're going to keep your money. Jason's like, whatever, it's God's money. Let me tell you real quick about this. Because Jesus was the source. He is the source. He's always going to be the source. He's the reason for the season, not just at Christmas. He's the reason for the day. He's the reason for my breath. He's the reason for my life. We're, we're starting to get this inside of us. So what do we do with this? Why would a bunch of regular people, fishermen and tax collectors and doctors and, you know, even Pharisees like Paul, why would they just give everything to follow Jesus? Why would they just stop and, and knowing that Jesus said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Nobody, if I, I, I say this often, but if we had a desk out there signing up for trouble and persecution, how many of you would sign up today? None of you. <laughs> but they're here, he's saying, hey, you would follow me. You got to die to yourself, right? You got to take up your cross and follow me. They understood something. Paul understood something about how his life had changed. He had found a treasure. Jesus parabled in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44 he said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy not in his happiness in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field he finds a treasure over here he's working I don't own this field but I found a treasure over here whoa I that up. I'm gonna go sell all of this because none of this matters because that's a treasure Paul understood that you can, you can have all that. That's a treasure. You can, you can take this life. That's a treasure. You can have this whole world. Give me Jesus. Paul understood it. And the people who touched Jesus, they weren't perfect. They understood it. And there's a bunch of people in this room who understand it. And some of you are getting it inside of you, even as I'm talking right now. You're like, this is a treasure. I can't believe I'm alive. I can't believe that I'm standing here today alive. After all that I've been through and God is ripping down from heaven right now, all the way to your, he cares so much that he will speak to your heart today. The creator and sustainer of the universe lets you talk to him. 
It's the gift of prayer. There's nobody in this room, I'm guessing, that can get an audience with the president. But you can get an audience of the creator and sustainer and holder of life. What? He just wants you. Not just on Easter or Good Friday or Palm Sunday. He just wants you. You don't have to clean up. You notice the building didn't catch on fire when you came in here today. Can I get a hallelujah, right? <laughs> Jesus is speaking in this parable, and he's saying, hey, time has come. He's presented to us the treasure. You can't deny it. The treasure is here for the taking. But you've got to leave all this because you can't live here and here. Sometimes they think that, like, you think they're married, but they're not. They're juxtaposed. They're opposing each other. And if you try to live here holding the treasure and holding the things of this world, we'll rip you apart. Now, I'm not telling you to go sell all your stuff. I'm not doing that. I'm talking about the spiritual things that you're grabbing a hold of in life. If they're not of the Lord, they're dead. Quit holding on to dead things and grab a hold of abundant life today. Grab a hold of Jesus today. And he'll change everything. Would you bow your heads with me today? looking around. I know, I know this kind of stillness and, and silence makes some of you nervous because you don't have any of that in your life. We're not afraid of this moment. Pray that God speaks to you clearly. God, open our eyes. Open our hearts, Lord. Let us see the treasure you are. God, it's not by accident that we're in this room today. You knew who would be in here. From all of eternity, you knew who would be gathered in this room today. Again, nobody's looking around, but I just, I just want to know. Maybe some of you are sitting out there and you're like, ah, I've just made a mess of things again. Maybe some of you never met Jesus before, but seen that treasure today. That treasure's been revealed to you today, and he said, I want, I want it all. I don't want just some of the things God has for me. I want it all. I'm, re I'm, I'm, I'm ready to let it all go. I'm just going to grab a hold of Jesus. Is there anybody in this room that would lift your hand and say, I'm grabbing a hold of Jesus today? Come on, hold him up high. We're, we're excited about life change. Come on, hold him up high. We're, we're thankful. God's changing lives. He's transforming lives in this place. He's not going to let you... Be. He's not going to let you just go about life. He's going to walk with you and talk with you. This is victory. It's victory. You can put them down today. Listen, there's nobody perfect in this room. Everybody's in need of Jesus. We often pray a very simple prayer, but an important prayer. We're going to all pray it together right now. 
want everybody in here, and I want us to say it like we actually mean it. Don't just let the words fall out of your mouth. Let them roar from your heart today. Let's pray this. I believe in my heart. Come on, we can do better. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Thank you for saving my life. Now run the show. Change everything. Give me a heart after you. Father, thank you for your great work. Father, I'm thankful for every miracle in this room. Listen, every one of you are a miracle. You're still here. God still has a plan. You've been through tough days. You've been through tough weeks. You've been through a tough month, a tough year, a tough decade. God sees it. He cares. He loves you. You were worth it. You're special. God has a plan for your life. Receive it. Be blessed. And grab a hold of him. The greatest treasure ever. We pray all this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together? Let me talk to you just for a minute, church. A couple of things. It's going to be real crazy out there in just a minute. We've got 12 o'clock coming in and 10.30 going out. It's going to get wild. Be patient with each other. Just leave all of your Miami right here, right? Just leave it. Lay it down at the altar. We're going to. We're just going to, hey, everybody merge, everybody, just go. Guess what? You're going to get there. The food's going to be great. Enjoy the kahachina, the ham, everything. It's going to be amazing. We love you guys. We always have a, our benediction here. Psalm 1914, I invite you to pray with us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys. See you next Sunday.